Welcome to our podcast. I'm Pastor Mark Voss. Right after he made Eve from a rib he had taken out of Adam, the Lord made this blessing called marriage. What does he have to tell us about marriage and family? What is his will for Christian husbands and wives? We'll explore that together in our sermon today. Today's message is based on Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 through 24. Our sermon is entitled, Marriage God's Way. May God bless you as you hear and take to heart the truths of his holy word. This morning's Old Testament lesson and our sermon text today, Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 through 24. The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is a suitable partner for him. Out of the soil, the Lord God had formed every wild animal and every bird of the sky, and he brought them to the man to see what he would call them. Whatever the man called every living creature, that became its name. The man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the sky and every wild animal. But for Adam, no helper was found who was a suitable partner for him. The Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. As the man slept, the Lord God took a rib and closed up the, place, up, closed up the flesh where it had been. The Lord God built a woman from the rib that he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. The man said, Now this one is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and will remain united with his wife, and they will become one flesh. The word of the Lord. They met through some mutual friends and began dating each other. One year later, they found themselves head over heels in love. He proposed. She said yes. They began planning their wedding day. They both wanted it to be one of those proverbial dream weddings. They spent countless hours planning out every minute detail of their wedding day. And when that day came, it went off without a hitch. They had spent all kinds of time planning for that wedding day. They had spent very little time planning for a married life. And so before long, that happy dream of the wedding day became the real world of marriage with all of its hurts and all of its stresses. Every marriage has its challenges. Every marriage has its problems. The difference between happy marriages and miserable marriages is the way in which we choose to handle those problems and to work through them. One pastor in a book that he wrote about Christian marriage tells about something that happened in his ministry years and years ago. There was a married couple that was having trouble. The the wife was a member of his church came to him and said, could could I speak to you about the problems we're having in our marriage? And he said, yes. 
And he listened as she explained some of the issues that they were having, and she asked him if he would reach out to her husband, whom he didn't really know, and he said, I'd be happy to. And he set up an appointment with her husband. Here's what he wrote about that meeting. He was a burly sort of fellow with a mind of his own. After a polite exchange of greetings, he sat forward in his chair, looked me straight in the eye, and said, you might as well know it right now. I don't have any time for this religion garbage, and I'm in no mood to exchange my biases for yours. We didn't get very far in our conversation. We were starting from two entirely different points of view. His point of view was that God and religion have no place in marriage. My point of view is that God has a very important place in marriage. After all, marriage was his idea. Does the attitude of that man accurately reflect the dominant thinking in our world today? Isn't it true that more and more people just assume that marriage is something that society came up with back in ancient times? That it's a device of, of human beings and therefore we lay down the rules and, and we decide what happens in marriage and what doesn't? Nothing could be further from the truth. In the second chapter of the Bible, here is where we find out where this whole concept of marriage started in the first place. And here is where we find what we might call marriage God's way. And marriage God's way means understanding, first of all, that marriage is a divine institution. So you notice from our text, right, that the Lord God had given Adam a huge task. He wanted Adam to assign names to all the different species of animals and birds that he had created. Now, this wasn't just busy work that God had given to Adam. He had a purpose in mind. The Lord wanted Adam to come to the realization that while all the birds and animals had appropriate, suitable partners, had mates, the rooster had his hen, the stallion had his mare, the steer had his cow, Adam had no one. The Lord wanted to create within Adam a feeling of loneliness and a, a longing to have a suitable partner because Adam was alone. And so our loving creator said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is a suitable partner for him. And the Lord caused Adam to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of Adam's ribs closed up the place with flesh, and the Lord God made a woman out of the rib he had taken out of Adam. He made a suitable partner for him. Not another man, but a woman. Tailor-made for man. Someone to have and hold, someone to love Someone with whom he could have children and raise a family. You know, as you read these words, does it seem to you like it does to me? That instead of bemoaning all the differences that exist between men and women, or instead of trying to constantly blur those lines, we ought to celebrate the way in which God made both men and women and made them different from each other. Adam did. And then in simple elegance, we're told about the first wedding that ever took place 
the Lord presented Adam with this precious gift, and we're told that he brought her to the man. And as he spoke his wedding vows, Adam expressed his gratitude and his appreciation for this wonderful gift that God had made for him named Eve. And then the Lord instituted marriage, this blessing for us, this gift, as he said in verse 24, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to, and will, and, uh, and will remain united with his wife, and they will become one flesh. Because God loves us with a perfect love, he designed and instituted this blessing called marriage. God knew that Adam had a need for a partner and a a companion, someone with whom he could share life's blessings and eventually with whom he could share life's sorrows, someone whom, with whom he could bring children into the world, and God filled that need by creating Eve and bringing her to Adam. But of course, that, that's our loving God. He sees a need and fills that need. Nowhere is that seen more clearly than in our greatest need in life. Our greatest need is to be forgiven of all of our sin. We all sin against our Lord every single day of our lives. We admitted as much at the start of our service. And that's even true when it comes to this blessing called marriage. As married people, we have not always treasured and honored and cherished this gift called our spouse. We all have to admit that we have never been the perfect partner in marriage. And we'd all admit, those not married, that they haven't always done a perfect job of living the single life either. And certainly none of us have ever been faithful, perfectly faithful to our heavenly bridegroom, the Lord Jesus. We have flirted with sin, time without number. We have committed spiritual adultery as we put other things and other people, ourselves and our sinful desires, ahead of the Lord our God. We cheated on him with sin. But in perfect love, the Lord our God sent us his Son, and the Lord Jesus, who describes himself as the heavenly bridegroom of the church, gathered up all of our sins and took them to the cross and took them away to make us God's saved people forevermore. Marriage God's way, you see, is lived out of love for the one who gave his all for us. Marriage God's way means looking to the one who is the author of marriage for the way to have a truly happy, blessed marriage. Okay, so, so what does he tell us here that marriage is? It is one man and one woman, the Lord says. Forsaking all others, this one man and this one woman bind themselves to each other with solemn promises of exclusive faithfulness to one another, recognized and stated in a wedding ceremony. And then, after that, then they begin living as one flesh, the Lord says. Then they begin their physical intimacy, having saved that for marriage as God intends. Then they begin living together. Then they set out on life together with shared hopes and goals and dreams and a common love for the Lord who joined them as one. The two become one flesh. Marriage God's way means one plus one equaling one. 
marriage God's way. If some sort of a warning light suddenly showed up on the dashboard of your vehicle and you didn't know what that warning light even meant, you'd never seen it before, what, what would you do? How about opening up the glove compartment and pulling out the owner's manual and finding the section where it talks about all those warning lights. It'll tell you exactly what that warning light means and what to do about it. Friends, this Word of God, this Bible, is the ultimate owner's manual for marriage. The people who made the car that you drive know all about how, how, how to fix it. The God who created marriage knows all about how to address the problems that come our way. Here is where God gives his good guidance to husbands as he calls on us to be servant leaders in the home. You heard it earlier, love your wives as Christ loved the church in Ephesians chapter 5. He says, be considerate and treat your wives with respect in 1 Peter chapter 3. He says, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them in Colossians chapter 3. And he calls on wives to look to their husbands and to give them their love and their respect out of love for Jesus, to give them your heart and your faithfulness. And when the warning light comes on in your married life, let's just not ignore the problem and hope, hope that it goes away. It rarely does. Don't let the problem fester until there's nothing left of your marriage. When there's something that needs to be addressed in marriage, sit down with somebody who can help you and turn to the Word of God to see what he says about your marriage. That's the owner's manual. God's people turn to the Word to make needed changes in themselves. To confess their sins and their shortcomings. To right their wrongs to repent of what they've done to harm the marriage, to extend forgiveness to each other, and to let their marriage honor the Lord who joined them as one. That's marriage God's way. Marriage God's way, though, also means understanding that marriage is an unconditional commitment. This match made in heaven, this blessed union of husband and wife, is, a dif is different from every other relationship in life. You're working for someone, and after a number of years, you decide that you'd like to get a different job, and you, you work for another company. You have a dear friend who moves to the other side of the country, and over the years, you just kind of lose touch. Two young people are dating each other when it doesn't seem to be working out. They both decide they'd be better off breaking up and seeking different relationships. But not marriage. Earlier in our gospel reading, you heard Jesus say this. He said, therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Scripture teaches that marriage is intended to be a lifelong union of a husband and his wife, an unconditional commitment. Yes, the Bible does allow for divorce in the case of, of unfaithfulness because that act of unfaithfulness broke what the essence of that marriage really was based upon. And yes, the Bible does allow for divorce in the case of one spouse abandoning or deserting the other in the relationship. But in its essence, the Lord wants marriage to be a lifelong, unconditional commitment. Why? Why would the Lord tell us not to separate what he's joined together if we feel like separating it? 
Here's the answer. Because Christian marriage is meant to be a reflection of the perfect, unconditional commitment that God has made to us. A reflection of the intimate union of Christ Jesus and his church, as we heard in Ephesians chapter 5. I mean, let's think about the Lord's unconditional commitment to us, his people. He doesn't tell us that he'll love us and forgive us and save us as long as he's happy in our relationship with him. He he doesn't threaten to walk out on us when we rebel against him with sin after sin, day after day. He doesn't withhold his love from us because we haven't been making him happy. Nor does he simply talk a good game about loving us. Jesus gave himself for us laid down his life for the church when we deserve the exact opposite. He didn't wait for us to show him that we deserve to be loved that way or it never would have happened. He simply gave us his unconditional committed love. He put our needs first, served us in unconditional love all the way to the cross and back. Friends, think. Just imagine what our Christian marriages can be when we take that love that the Lord has shown to us and use that as our template, as our pattern for the way that we love each other, for the way that we love our spouse. Think of the joy that we'll have when we serve each other as we've been served by our Lord and Savior. Think of the power of the relationship when two people in marriage each give 100% to that marriage unconditionally without looking for anything in return, just loving their spouse to honor the Savior who loved each of them with that unconditional love. Think of the blessing that you will be to your spouse when you look into the mirror every morning and say to yourself, how can I remind my spouse today of how much the Lord loves them by the way that I love and serve and treat them and forgive them and accept them by the way that I give my all to this marriage today? Marriage God's way. That means every day, whether married or not yet married or no longer married, honoring and cherishing this gift that he gave the world when he instituted marriage. It means looking into the Word and finding the ways in which God calls upon us to love our spouse with that unconditional, forgiving, self-sacrificing love in marriage. It means honoring the Lord by striving to make our marriages every day a beautiful reflection of His unconditional commitment to us. It means respecting and honoring both our own marriage and the marriage of others and not doing anything to harm that relationship. And when we do, to go to the cross and embrace the loving forgiveness that Christ won for us there. May the God who is love, the one who is the author and the Lord of marriage, graciously grant that to every single one of us. May he strengthen our homes and our families. And may he lead us out of love for him to live life his way, to his glory, so that our homes become these havens of happiness and these places of peace to his great glory. Amen.